1: Everybody, welcome to Happy Healthy You, the podcast. I'm Connie Bowman, the host with the most or the least or whatever, <laughs> coming to you today from lovely Maryland. Um, so happy to be here. We've been talking about mind, body, spirit, health, and wellness, living a whole life uh, for like four or five years now. And um, it's just a labor of love. And I'm so happy that you're here joining me today. And um, I hope you'll enjoy this guest. Uh, she's going to give us some great ideas for seasonal lifestyle changes and daily routines and seasonal eating with an emphasis on Ayurveda. That is the sister science of yoga, which you guys know that I am um Pretty excited about these days and teaching. Before we get into the podcast, I just want to share a little bit about uh, the readers that I have on. You can't see them, but I am wearing my favorite readers from Blue Planet Eyewear, our sponsor, and they're an awesome company. They work through many, many um, different organizations to help people all over the planet um, get a hold of eyewear uh, when they probably could not have otherwise gotten it. So um, if you check out blueplaneteyewear.com and you use the code CONNIE20, you can shop for beautiful readers, stylish readers, and sunglasses. Even though uh, we're entering into the colder uh, weather in a lot of places, you still might want to wear your sunglasses. And they're really cute. So check them out. blueplaneteyewear.com. Use code CONNIE20 and... Yeah, you'll be uh, all set. You'll be able to see that small print that I couldn't see if I didn't have my readers on. So today I'd like to welcome our guest, Susan weiss Boland. She is a full-time Ayurvedic consultant and health coach. She's a vegetarian cooking teacher, which is super exciting for me. She is a meditation teacher, and she takes people to sacred sites all over the planet. So we want to talk about a little bit of all of that if we can, but we want to have an emphasis on seasonal eating and some changes that we can make as we move into these uh, colder months. And, um yeah, so we can live happy and healthy lives, right? Susan, thanks so much for
0: coming. Absolutely. Thank you, Connie. I so appreciate you asking me to be on your program and I am a big proponent of healthy, happy living. So, and I'm going to look up that blue planet eyewear to see, uh, Maybe oh, I can find some few a, readers. Yeah, yeah. I mean,
1: you know, we can't live uh, without our readers these days, right? Yeah,
0: it's uh, 55. <laughs> I think I have glasses everywhere I can reach. <laughs> totally, so,
1: yeah. You have to put them yeah. everywhere because, daggone it, something happens. Somebody eats <laughs> right. them. So, anyway, um, yeah, we had your little puppy had to go to the vet this morning, so I'm glad she's fine. So, yeah. Yeah, so we got this podcast in. I'm really happy that we were able to, um, talk. So, so, um, just, just talk a little bit more about yourself. I gave you a little brief, um, bio, but I remember you, we didn't mention this, as the owner of Breathe Bookstore in Hamden, downtown Baltimore, in the funky part of Baltimore. You had this great bookstore, and whenever you needed spiritual books or, um, he- books about nutrition and health, um, Breathe was the place to go. Everybody was talking about it. Um, talk, can you just like reminisce a little bit about that? Because some people <laughs> yeah. listening might, might just get a kick out of that.
0: Sure. It was a really, really sweet bookstore. I opened it in 2004. Uh, it was at the, well, probably still it was, Baltimore's um, only metaphysical bookstore in recent times. I think back in the day in the 70s and 80s, there might have been a couple around. But I, I, my lifestyle was yoga, meditation and vegetarianism and meditation was, was and is a huge part of my life. And I really felt we needed a bookstore where we could explore many, many issues, including our many lifestyles, including that. And then, you know, it expanded it was like from angels to Zen was everything that I had in the store yeah. and beautiful candles, incense, singing bowls, meditation cushions, um, wind chimes crystals it, it was really beautiful and i did it for 10 years and i opened a an ayurvedic vegetarian cafe in the bookstore the last couple of years um after i became an ayurvedic practitioner which was in 2008 so while i had the bookstore i began studying ayurveda and became certified in ayurveda and the the reason why i closed the bookshop was because i really I feel I felt like I was splitting my passions between bookstore, cafe and being an ayurvedic consultant and teacher and I just couldn't do it all. And one morning I woke up and I then I said the bookstore's got to go. You just <laughs> knew. 10 years, yeah. I just knew. Yeah. And I I told my husband and he said, "Okay, we'll create an exit plan." And we I think we created a pretty graceful exit plan. We wait we took about 4 months to sell everything off and close it down. And then I thought it would take a little rest, but I really didn't. I just went right into um, teaching full-time. We moved into a house that had a teaching kitchen. And so I have a 700-square-foot teaching kitchen in addition to a regular kitchen. So I teach people here. And as your, your um, listeners and viewers will see, we're going to be preparing a fantastic Ayurvedic meal for, for the holidays or for any time uh, this season in my teaching kitchen. And I awesome. teach many classes here and workshops. And uh, yeah, Ayurveda just became really my biggest passion. And 11 years on, it still is. And I'm so happy to be able to share this with people. I have a new best-selling book that came out in February, Ayurveda Beginner's Guide. Um, has been number one on Amazon and other places. And it's a beautiful book that describes everything I'm going to talk to you about today and more. So you can really begin to live an Ayurvedic lifestyle by taking this book and working through it. Um, to learn how to bring this ancient Indian system of medicine into your life today. I really try to make it um, easier for the Westerner to follow and make it very relevant for today, which it really is. Mm.
1: Gosh, I love everything you just said. Just drives home the point of the importance of living a balanced life that's whole in mind, body, and spirit. So going back to your bookstore, you knew when it was time to close. You didn't force it to stay open longer than you felt. You started feeling it and, and you kind of learned to let go, right? That's the yeah. thing, Those are the things we practice with our spiritual. I know. And well, it was <laughs>
0: probably good timing, right? Because then yeah, everything went online. Right. Right. It was, I know, that was perfect, but the bookstore brought me unbelievable riches, including my husband. Yeah. My, uh, my husband Larry walked into the bookstore on December 8th, 2008, and, um, a a little over exactly a year to the date we met, he asked me to marry him, and then we got married a few months later. So that was beautiful. And then my first dog, Ella, she was also brought in a a few months after Larry and I got married. Um, Someone was fostering Ella and brought her into the store. And I was like, Uh, I'll take her. I want her. I didn't even know I wanted a husband or a puppy. (laughs) But they came into the bookstore and some magic happened. And I got a husband and a puppy. And now we have three dogs and a beautiful home. Fantastic life. Married for eight years. And, yeah, the messages were very clear. You got to listen. When, like I listened when to open, it was so clear I was meant to open a bookstore and then you listen when to close. It's we. I learned through meditation not to second guess my feelings. Mm. First thought, best thought. The Buddha said, first thought, best thought. And when that comes up, you get a big yes or a big no and that's the direction you want to move in to stay in harmony with yourself, with nature, with the cycles of life. You know, as I mentioned, I'm 55 years old. Did I really want to run a retail operation seven days a week for the rest of my life? I didn't. It was exhausting. i was so tired. (laughs) I'm with you, sister. But it was a great place. (laughs) It was
1: a great community. You brought together healers. You had classes and book talks and stuff. It was cool. So anyway, we've, we've reminisced enough. So, so let's get to the present moment because we are all about living mindful and present in, in this moment. So let's talk about as we move, we are moving into the season. Oh, and by the way, I do want to talk more about your book. You are so humble. You didn't even really emphasize that we should promote your book, but let's I forget. plug it as much as we can. And also, and also remind me when we cook when we do the cooking video. I wanna bring my yoga class to a oh. cooking we'll we'll come and we'll do a yeah. cooking thing. So I have I do to, a lot of that. That's I have great. to write that down so I don't forget. Okay, okay, so so as we're heading into the colder season, um, talk a little bit about what Ayurveda I can never say it. Are Ayur- you Ayurveda, right. thank you. Yeah. <laughs> Every time I say it I'm like, Am I saying that right? Um good. has to offer us. Okay. And so maybe say what it is, maybe I for will. someone who doesn't That's know. That's
0: exactly what I want to do. I want to let people know that, as I mentioned, Ayurveda is a ancient Indian science of well-being. It's like Chinese medicine, but from India. And we really looked at to food as medicine, and that includes herbs and spices and how we combine food, the different foods that we eat. Um, and it is based on the elements outside of us. So it's based on the air, the elements of, um, air space fire water and earth and that's what we see outside of us and we have the same elements within so some people are a little bit more spacey and airy some people are a little bit more fiery and some people are a little bit more earthy I mean we pretty much see that in people we can tell Mm -hmm. so what Ayurveda and the great um, rishis which is a Sanskrit word for the seers or teachers of Ayurveda over 5,000 maybe even 10,000 years ago in India they began to notice that people who looked uh, a certain way reacted a certain way to the elements, to food, e- even to emotional situations. They had different ways of reacting. And so they began to classify these people into what into a mind-body constitution. And in Sanskrit, we call that the, the doshas. That's D-O-S-H-A. That's sort of like this really sexy part of Ayurveda. Everybody wants to know what their dosha is. So... Um, the first dosha is comprised of air and space, and that dosha is called vata, V-A-T-A. We're in vata season. The attributes of vata, I'm watching all the leaves fall as I'm talking right. to you, and that's so vata. The attributes are dry and cold and changeable, and it's sort of like exactly this um, fall, early winter season. Is We see the leaves drying up. We see one day it's hot, one day it's cold we have a lot of wind blowing things around. And that's how the Vata person is also. They're um they can have dry skin, cold hands and feet. Um, physically they're usually a little bit um like a, a willowy type of person. I like to pick like Uma Thurman or Callista Flockhart, mm-hmm. um Halle Berry. These are good examples. Even Nicole Kidman Although Nicole Kidman then leans towards our next dosha, which is a more fiery dosha with the red hair and mm-hmm. and uh, the, that's called pitta dosha we'll get to. So we can see this in people and we see it in the elements and uh, we want to balance this season with the food that we eat and the, our lifestyle changes, which I'll talk about in a moment. The second dosha, pitta, P-I-T-T-A, comprise of fire and water and pitta is the more fiery dosha, hot, intense. Um they are uh, they're very opinionated type of people. When they're balanced, they're a really great leader. But when they're out of balance, they can uh, be a little bit um, like critical, judgmental, aggressive, impatient. They tend to be perfectionistic. They, um, they expect a lot from themselves and they expect a lot of others. So whereas Vata dosha is more because they're quite changeable, they kind of move with the wind and every shiny new object distracts them and they go off for this thing and that thing pitta is really really focused on what they want to do and and then we have uh, kapha dosha which is k-a-p-h-a kapha is comprised of earth and water so they're a little bit rounder a little bit earthier um oprah is a really good example of a kaphic person uh she tried to lose a lot of weight at one point and it didn't work because kapha is not a thin person kapha is um The stability, the stamina, it's sort of like the foundation for all the other doshas. And when kapha is healthy and well in balance, they're a great caregiver. They love taking care of others. They're very warm, supportive, caring people. But when they're out of balance, they tend to gain weight. um, They tend towards obesity. But also all that caring and nurturing can make them kind of like hoarders. Like they take everything in and they don't want to let go. And so that can be a problem and they can become very earthy and watery, and that can make them sort of like a couch potato, like a brick. But those are the best
1: descriptions of the doshas I've ever heard. That Those oh, are so thanks. clear to me. That just clarified right. so much. Um, good, good. But the thing about as, as I'm listening, and as a lot of our listeners are listening, we hear a little bit of uh, all of them in ourselves, like we could be a little bit uh, a little bit of a willowy, you know, traveling from one thing to the next and dry skin. And But then at times we were very focused and energetic and stuff. Like, I think I'm pitavada, Probably. I think, a little Probably. bit. Like, I'm not willowy. I'm kind of stronger and bigger, but I am um, I do have a little bit of that. Like, I definitely have dry skin. And um, Yeah. I can. I'm interested in t- so
0: many things. <laughs> I know. So many things. Yeah, that's great. I, yeah, so we also so you know, we have um, we have a dosha for the body and we have a dosha for the mind. Mm-hmm. So we can be a little bit distracted or a little bit hot and intense, but we might be a little overweight, or might be medium build or very skinny. So we can be different. Mm-hmm. And we also go through different stages of life. We mm-hmm. change. Mm-hmm. We have we have our natural born Ayurvedic dosha, which is called a prakriti. Our prakriti is our how we're born. And then our vikruti is where we're out of balance. And most of us go out of balance the minute we're born. <laughs> and that that can shift. And so we want to, as an Ayurvedic, um, uh, through our diagnosis, we we determine what a person's prakruti is, their natural-born Ayurvedic Gosha, And then we determine their vikruti, where they're out of balance. And we try to gently help them through these daily lifestyle Changes and routines and food and herbs and spices, yoga and meditation, we try to gently move them back to be the most balanced form of their dosha. And as you mentioned, we're all bi doshic or a little bit tri doshic, but most of us are mono doshic. We have one that predominates Mm -hmm. and then we show um, a little bit of the others. But we need all three Mm -hmm. because vata is wind and movement. Pitta is, uh, is the metabolic transformation and changes, and kapha is the stability and stamina that keeps it all together. Mm-hmm. So we need all three to function properly. And so that's just like food. We say we have six tastes in food, sweet, sour, salty, pungent, bitter, and astringent. And we need all six tastes in our diet in order to stay balanced. And that's what, one of the most interesting things about Ayurveda, is that we can really begin to balance ourselves through food. And that's mostly what I I teach people how to eat mm. <laughs> and how to shop for food and then how to cook it. <laughs> very yeah. cool, very cool.
1: And and so we can get in balance. Say in the middle of the summer, we can get our our uh, what's the summer pitta. the pitta. pitta. We can get our pitta in balance, and 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 then here comes the fall, and we. Uh, These transitional periods, whether they're seasonal changes or life changes can throw us off. So um, what are some suggestions? Let's get into the lifestyle and daily routines first.
0: And then maybe we can talk about eating okay sure so yeah as we go into Vata season right now this is a transitional time period and it's really important to take care of yourself because this is when we're the most vulnerable like let's say we still where we live in the mid-Atlantic we really have all four seasons so we're going from a very hot time rather quickly to a colder time and it takes us a little while to change out our clothes and get the scarves out and the winter clothes and so on Mm -hmm. so we're vulnerable at this time of year And let's say we're still, you know, eating melons and sweet fruits and not yet making stews and warmer foods. So we need to watch to make that transition, make sure that we um, dress appropriately for the season, which is very important. And, And where we are, it's best to have layers because some places are hot inside and cold outside and moving all over. So we want to be prepared all around. So you want to Get out your sweaters and your corduroys and your scarves and your leggings and be prepared for the season, hat and gloves and so on, but be aware that it can change. So we want to, um, just just like anything with Ayurveda, we want to be aware of the attributes of ourselves and of the day and so on. And then what we want to do, besides making sure we keep warm, is to uh, uh, make lifestyle changes so that we can um, have an easy transformation into this time of year And what does that mean? That means you want our food to be easy to digest. That's one of the most important things. We don't do a lot of complicated food in Ayurveda. We do food that um, doesn't take an enormous amount of energy to break down and digest. Because at this time of year especially, we need that energy to stay warm. Mm -hmm. So if we're eating a lot of raw food, cold food, processed food, food that has... um, pesticides herbicides chemicals dyes preservatives that's taking a lot of energy for our body to make its way down to find the nutrients that might be there and that leaves us depleted that will leave us cold that will leave us feeling um uh, less energetic that won't you know after you eat a meal that contains all those processed foods you might feel exhausted and that's when you sort of like lay down on the couch and take a nap well, if we're eating properly, we feel energetic after we eat. We feel like taking a walk or doing the dishes or going on to our next task for the day. We're not exhausted by it. And so those foods that are easy to digest are foods um, that are very much like many indigenous cultures have a basic rice and bean dish. We see that in almost every culture. Mm-hmm. So in Ayurveda and what we're going to be making um, for your folks, uh, we have a basic rice and bean dish called kichurri. And kitchari is comprised of uh, uh, any kind of uh, organic white rice, not a brown rice because brown rice is harder to digest and we're sticking to easy to digest foods, combined with um, something called split yellow mung dal or split yellow mung beans, which is um, the whole form is green and the split form is yellow. Mm -hmm. So the split form is a little bit easier to digest. So making a mix of the rice and beans along with a really good oil and appropriate spices for the person in the season makes a really easy to digest meal. And then we can combine that with seasonal vegetables. So for this season, we're going into the colder season. So we're looking more at root vegetables right now. So making a kitchery with um, beets or potatoes or turnips, sweet potato kitchery is like, that's what we're going to make. That's Mm, wonderful for for the season. Along with uh, greens, so as I mentioned, we try to avoid raw foods. We always pretty much avoid raw and cold foods in Ayurveda. Sweet fruits are okay because they're easier to digest. A sweet raw fruit is okay, but otherwise we like to cook our fruits, cooked apples, cook pears, and so on. But things like greens, we don't want to miss out on the greens, but they're hard to digest when they're cold and raw. So this time of year, we still have the beautiful dandelion greens uh, beet greens, kale, of course, everybody's favorite, kale. <laughs> but don't we eat that kale raw, <laughs> okay? Um, Swiss chard,
1: and- I like Swiss chard.
0: Yeah, yes. Swiss chard, rainbow chard, that's mm-hmm. all beautiful. And we can throw those on top of our soups and stews or our kitchari, wilt them a little bit or cook them up in a little bit of um oil. And depending on your dosha, maybe some garlic or onions, depending. Um, Which so is the dosha that doesn't do well with garlic? and yeah. Which one is that? So pitta dosha doesn't do well at all with uh, with raw garlic especially because it's very heating and causes a lot of fire we can use a little bit of it in cooking but like for instance pitta one of the main tastes that calms pitta is sweet so if you roast garlic it becomes sweet Mm. so that is a way for pitta to get garlic is by roasting it interesting it's really nice but um Okay. Onions and garlic can do different things to the mind. So, I also have to, when I'm working with a person, if they have an agitated, hot mind, I just have them avoid onions and garlic altogether. Mm, okay, cool. Yeah, cool. So, we really want to make sure to avoid smoothies and juices this time of year. Ayurveda does not like smoothies at all because they're typically cold and often involve yogurt and mixing fruit and uh, food. And we don't combine fruit and food because that's hard to digest. Again, we're coming back to that notion of easy to digest food. So if you're going to make a smoothie, if you're totally addicted to your smoothies, (laughs) I, I tell people to please use hot water or heated almond milk. So if you're using, let's say you are using frozen berries, stick to either fruit or veggies. And then add a hot liquid to it, and so at least it's warm mm-hmm. when you're drinking it. Okay. But avoid avoid the yogurt because that's sour, and that we don't like to mix yogurt with any food. It makes a very bad combination um, for digestion. So just avoid that. Well, we just upset a lot of smoothie lovers. <laughs> I know, I know. People look at me crestfallen when I tell them this, but I will if I could plug uh, one of my mentors and wonderful Ayurvedic teachers. Her name is Amadea Morningstar. And she wrote the classic Ayurvedic cookbook called, appropriately enough, The Ayurvedic Cookbook. (laughs) She has a new book out called um, Healing Drinks. And it's all Ayurvedic healing drinks. And it's absolutely amazing, tasty, incredible recipes. We just made one in my fall cooking class, a pumpkin spice Mm. healing drink that was raw pumpkin uh, that we heated up, pumpkin puree, I Mm. should say, pumpkin seeds. And then we made our own um, spice mix a real spice mix of like clove and cardamom and nutmeg and um, mix that with the warm pumpkin and it kind of it's kind of soupy but kind of uh smoothie like mm, and the students loved it it was amazing mm. with some almond milk but the healing drinks so you can find
1: that mm-hmm. that sounds so yummy especially yeah. the last couple of nights have been kind of chilly here so yeah. um Okay. Well, I, I'm really excited for that video. So we'll, we'll have to share that along with this podcast. Um, but how about as far as daily routines as the days get shorter? Um, it reminds me of sleep. Cause yeah. <laughs> it's yeah. It's so much harder to get up in the morning when the days are dark. What does Ayurveda
0: tell yeah. us about those kind of, um, things, sleep? And- yeah. That's a really good point. In my book, I do mention, um, for each dosha, each season and each dosha, um, how they can sleep uh, better and feel better so in winter for everybody it is natural to go to sleep a little earlier and wake up a little later because of where we live you know where it gets darker earlier and so on and so that's okay if we sleep an, an hour later. In the winter time, than we do in the summertime. I don't know about you, but I know for sure. I definitely wake up earlier in the summer, and I can't wait to go outside mm-hmm. and walk the dogs and whatever. And in the winter, I'm like, no, I don't want to get out of bed mm-hmm. <laughs> because it's so chilly. Yeah. But so we have to listen to our body's inner clock, our inner rhythms. We have our own circadian rhythms. We that if we're really balanced. We follow those circadian rhythms and the seasonal rhythms around us, so we can pay attention to that and shift our sleeping patterns, and that's okay. Um, ideally, our day would begin with uh, waking up in the morning. I like to do a little bit of gratitude getting up in the morning. Uh, I just remember one of my clients said to me, "When I wake up in the morning, I just I lay in bed until the panic sets in." <laughs>
1: Because wait for like, it! Oh wait my God, it. I gotta go!
0: Right, I gotta go! <laughs> <That's> <laughs> so all sad. these things are happening, so we don't want to do that. We don't want to wait for the panic to set in in the morning. We want to take a moment or two, take a few deep breaths, mm-hmm. be think about something you're grateful for, and then get up. Before we move into stretching, yoga, or meditation, it's a good idea for everybody to scrape their tongue. Mm. First, we like to inspect our tongue to see what kind of coating is on it because that is an indication of our health so overnight the body works to get rid of bacteria and waste so when we have we should have a really good bowel movement and urination in the morning and that uh, helps us to to get rid of all the waste that was accumulated throughout the night so we scrape our tongue with the tongue scraper and we want to get off anything that Uh, a white coating or a darker coating all sorts of things can happen on the tongue it's kind of amazing when you look so (laughs) people should look and then brushing our teeth and then uh, if possible doing oil pulling oil pulling that's p-u-l-l-i-n-g that's taking about a tablespoon of either sesame seed oil organic of course or coconut oil and just holding that in your mouth and doing some light swishing for if you can up to 15 or 20 minutes that is also antibacterial it's great for your gums and teeth and tongue and it we we say that it pulls all the toxins out of your cheeks and your tongue and all those tissues in your mouth but I've even heard people say it can pull toxins from your entire body hmm, and so amazing. after we do the pulling you want to make sure to spit that into a trash can you don't want to get that oil into your pipes hmm. and then. And then, only then, are you ready to take something in your mouth because your mouth is clean. And so at that point, we like to um, start our day with hot water with either lime or lemon. Lime is better for pitta dosha. Lemon is better for kapha and vata. And that helps to balance the system. We wake up acidic. Typically, the, the body's pH is more acidic in the morning. So drinking lemon or lime water, ironically, that actually helps to alkaline the body. So I'm just talking like eight, eight um, 10 ounces. It doesn't have to be like a huge mug. But go ahead and uh, sip or drink that hot water. If you're trying to lose weight a little bit, um, instead of doing the lemon or lime, do um, apple cider vinegar water with uh so you take out you just take like a half a teaspoon of apple cider vinegar It does not need to be a lot mm-hmm. and and one of my teachers dr lad he likes to say put some lime in that too so apple cider vinegar lime hot water you could drink that every morning if you want to lose a few pounds and that helps you set up for the day um really really well and then at that point
1: um, Some people's ears might have just perked up. Can you, can you when you say on. you want to, yeah, right, I know. I, I was like, wait a minute, she said lose a few pounds. So what is it about the apple cider vinegar that, that um, gets the metabolism or whatever going?
0: You know what? I'm not sure. Mm. I just know But that I hear it, it all the time. And, I know. And, yeah. I did write about it once, but I forget. So I'll look it up. Okay, good. <laughs> but I forget good. what it is, but it, it does help. Okay, Somehow. and then but, the, um,
1: the lime or the lemon in the water, that's all year long. That's not just yeah. during this season, right? That, so yeah. that's a good thing to do. Yeah, okay, yeah. good. That is definitely good. all year long. Okay. We want to do that.
0: Cool. Okay, and, and then we want to make sure that we're dressed appropriately for the day when we're, we're getting our, oh, I'm sorry, I skipped something. <laughs> something really important to do at this time of year is to do body oiling, mm. and that's called abhyanga in Sanskrit. Abhyanga. So Abhyanga. Yeah. So what we want to do is we want to do a whole body massage with um, a dosha-appropriate oil. And that's different for each dosha, is what I'm saying. And so we do a specific massage. We cover our whole body with oil. We go up and down on the long bones, and we go around on the joints. And we try and keep that oil on, if possible, for 15 to 20 minutes. I use that time period a lot, 15, 20 minutes, because that's how long it takes to sink down through all of our tissues, so we want to try and we want to try to have the oil penetrate all of our tissues to move out inflammation or disease impurities in the body.
1: Is that Ella barking in the background? It, it is. Hi Ella. <laughs> she seems like she's made a a recovery. So Actually, that
0: was then. Shadow. Was the oh one Shadow? Who was not oh okay.
1: well, yeah. So. Oh okay. Uh,
0: <laughs> they right, they're they're hanging out together right now. Cool.
1: cool. All um, right. Yeah, the Avianga. Um, that yeah that I mean. Do you do that every
0: single day? Let's just talk um, about the I practicality do, I of it. Okay. And so, um, but I do it more in the winter months. Mm, but I mm-hmm. did have a, um, a very famous Indian doctor stayed here with us last year. He'll be back this year, Dr. Uh, Ram Kumar Kuti. And I asked Ram Kumar, I was like, do you do Abhyanga every day? <laughs> oh, good. I'm glad I wasn't the only one asking that question. And he said, he tries to, but if he doesn't, at least he does his joints oh okay he goes over all of his joints and i thought that was really key and really important to work on the joints mm-hmm. every day mm-hmm. and so that i try to do every day if i don't get to do the full abhyanga but the thing is after you do abhyanga you shower you want to rinse off the oil because the, what happens is it releases the body's um it releases a lot of toxins in the body But once we shower, we don't want to use soap to wash everything off because we're also releasing our own um, inner pharmacy, like the good stuff, our good bacteria and Mm -hmm. so on. So we want to leave a thin sheen of oil on in order to um, protect us from environmental toxins. Okay. Do you want me to um, get Ella uh, so she stops barking? (laughs) Does she want (laughs) to come in? Yeah. Sure. Yeah. Bring her in. Bring her in.
1: One second. Thank you. (laughs) So yeah, that's a great idea to uh, just oil the joints, like in The Wizard of Oz. Oil can. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> Remember how he did that. Um, how about body brushing? Is that, a, is that an Ayurveda? I mean, is, would that be something yeah. also? Yes, yeah, so dry, dry, brushing dry brushing is definitely
0: a thing and um, it, it depends on the person's dosha again if they're if they're dry and cold and flaky like a vata person might be or if they have skin conditions like eczema or other things that pitta might have i don't recommend it so it's pretty individual okay. kapha does really well with it because kapha typically has thicker skin And so dry brushing is definitely a thing. Do one or the other. Don't Mm -hmm. do both. Okay. Uh, I don't think you need both. But I dry brush at different times, different seasons and different times of the day. Sometimes I dry brush. I'm taking a shower in the evening Uh, I'm sorry, if I shower in the morning, if I want to get that really invigorating feeling, I might dry brush in the morning. Mm. If I'm taking a shower in the evening, sometimes a long, slow Abhyanga is really nice before bed. Mm. Uh, It just really drives home the point,
1: Susan, that we probably all need some kind of a consultation to determine our
0: constitution because everybody's so different. So individual. That's the beauty of Ayurveda. It is not one size fits all. We get to the Uh root cause of what's going on with the person and then each and disease is dosha specific as well as well as the person having a dosha so we really need to take a deep look at what's going on and um, you can't really make You can make a few blanket recommendations, but if you really get down to the nitty gritty, you need to know the person, their whole story, their ability to change their daily routine and their lifestyle. So we really want to work with people individually.
1: And then in your experience, does Western medicine respect, uh, are they starting to respect uh, this ancient science a little bit more?
0: Um, I guess you see some pockets of that. Mm-hmm. Uh, for instance, the University of Maryland has a center for integrative medicine, mm-hmm. and they're doing up taught classes there for a long time in Ayurveda, and they have other people doing that as well. Yeah. Hopkins has a Department of Integrative Medicine, although it's really difficult to even find it. I think mm-hmm. it's hidden in the basement. <laughs> so, it needs to come out um, of the basement, right? <laughs> yeah, Yeah, yeah. And I even know people who work there who can't find it they want to get involved and they can't find it Right. so I think what's happening is that the population is forcing their doctors to look more into mm-hmm. it because a, a person goes into their doctor and says I'm taking ashwagandha bacopa, brahmi and triphala my Ayurvedic herbs and I'm taking some Chinese medicine things I want to know how it's going to go with these pharmaceutical drugs or if I even need them mm. so the western practitioner needs to learn a little bit more yeah. Something I do see in Western medicine is that they are prescribed, prescribing meditation for stress mm, reduction. I know. Isn't that cool? And, it's actually yeah. finally coming yeah. around. Let's talk about meditation
1: and, um, is there a difference? I, I, I would, th- I would just think that a Pitta person might have a little harder time sitting still than a, say, a Kapha person who has a little more of a, <laughs> a rooted sensibility about them. Can you, um, talk
0: about that a little bit about? Yeah. I, I do challenged? in my book too. I I give really good examples of vata and kapha ways of meditating and also of yoga. There's yoga for each dosha Mm and to call each pose and pranayama, breath work for each dosha. So, yeah, so I I think vata-dosha, what happens with vata when when she or he sits down to meditate is their mind is all over the place Mm -hmm. and they don't think it's possible for them to meditate. But what we teach them is, that is normal for the mind to be all over the place because that's what the mind does. So we teach techniques for breathing and groundedness for how to work with your thoughts so that even if they have runaway thoughts, they can still manage to be still for a period of time. Pitta dosha has um, very intense fiery thoughts and probably also is thinking, what the hell am I doing? Just sitting on my ass. I got to get up and do something. I have other things I need to do. This isn't important. I got to move. So we teach pitta the benefit of being still and being more introspective because pitta is often looking outside of themselves, not only to get things done, but to blame other people for when things don't get done, <laughs> if they're not about. Right. And so we want pitta to just look within and also to learn how to be less rigid and more flexible in their thinking. So we work with pitta in that way. Kapha dosha, she can sit around all day long in meditation, (laughs) so we need to get her up (laughs) and moving.
1: um, Walking meditation for the kaphas, right? (laughs) I know, yeah,
0: exactly, exactly. Kapha's a natural at meditation. (laughs) Yeah, oh gosh,
1: it's so, Ayurveda is so, just just like yoga, I mean, it's so rich with um, tradition and so many um, specific things that... I don't even know. I don't know the words, but interesting. It's very interesting. So I see what, what has drawn you to this Ayurveda. So.
0: And, you know, yoga, meditation, and Ayurveda, they come from what's called the Vedas, mm-hmm. V-E-D-A-S. The Vedas were um, a system of living, of um, mantras, rituals, insights. Uh, Vastu Shastra which is like Indian feng shui, Jyotish astrology which is a different from western astrology, mm. it was an entire way of life the Vedas predate Hinduism and Buddhism right. and where um and Ayurveda was the medical system, the very first medical system ever invented and written down, first surgery ever performed and written down was through Ayurveda. And so yoga and meditation being part of this um medit- yoga was created in order to help people meditate longer Mm -hmm. because they found their bodies were getting sore and they weren't able to sit in this position. So I don't really know the exact number, maybe 8 or 12 positions. That was what was invented in yoga, a different asana, so people could sit longer in meditation. Now, yoga has become something else. But it's good to remember the yoga sutras, which gave us a way of life, and the yoga positions were designed to help us be more comfortable in our own bodies. And so, when I see people using yoga for weight loss or you know other things or flowing from one position to another without giving um, time and mindfulness to alignment and posture and so on, uh, yoga is about the journey. It's not about the final mm. pose. Ayurveda is about the journey. It's about um, it's about longevity and prevention. It's not about am I doing this right this very moment. It's about creating an entire an entire lifestyle mm-hmm. based around it. and that's same very important for yoga and meditation as well. Mm-hmm. to learn how to incorporate it in your entire life, not just for this one specific purpose or you know everybody's ears perk up with weight loss. Mm-hmm. I, that's what a lot of people think, but it, it's mm-hmm. true. I lost over 60 pounds 10, 12 years ago with Ayurveda. It's the only thing that ever kept my weight off was that and so i'm very grateful to ayurveda for that so i could stop thinking about that and just move on with my life so distracting yeah all these distractions so we we want to do that we Mm want to get rid of these distractions so that we can be the best that we can be and more importantly so that we can help others be the best Mm -hmm. they can be that's what i believe this is all about service it's all about service so we help people this is my my little mantra. I like to help people get over their shit so they can help someone else get over their yeah, shit. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. The ripple effect. I love it, Susan. Get over your shit already. We got to yeah. help somebody else.
1: <laughs> I, I feel like St. Irenaeus, I think it was, the glory of God is the human being fully alive. And I always think about that. I feel like these modalities just give us the ability to find our true selves And then find union, which is yoga, the meaning of yoga, right? To yoke or to bind union with God or self or the universe. And then you pass it on. And then peace, it's peace. So, and that's what
0: you're doing with your podcast trying. and with your service. This trying. is your dharma. It's beautiful. Yeah.
1: yeah, yeah. It's all good. It's all good. So speaking of that, you just got back from India, right? Not yes. too long ago. And yeah. um, was that one of your sacred tours or was that a personal retreat? Or No, both? that
0: was... Uh, so the last sacred tour to India we did in January. And um, My husband helps me on these trips, which is great because he's mm, such a fun. sweetheart. Um, and my groups have gotten pretty big. I'm actually trying to... The last group was 18 people. I'm trying to bring it down to 10 or 12 people. I like it to be a little bit smaller, but I'm grateful to have the help. But my husband and I turned around and went back in August to do Panchakarma, which is the Ayurvedic detox, um, a whole Ayurvedic detox program at a place called Vaidyagrama in Tamil Nadu in the south of India, where I've taken groups. Uh, but I can't do Panchakarma when I'm with a group because I have to pay attention to them and teach. Mm-hmm. And Panchakarma is about... Um, you know, working with doctors and practitioners to do all these different treatments to help bring you back into balance or to treat whatever disease or disorder or wherever you're out of balance. So we did a 21-day um, uh, Panchakarma, and we both had different protocols that we were following, but the main thing is to rest, mm-hmm. It's to not do anything. <laughs> it's to rest and let them treat you. And, um, and that's what we did. And it was a, it was a phenomenal experience to, uh, take our time. I've done it in the States, but only a week at a time. You can't do it in the States like you can in India for legal reasons also. They do stuff to you in India that you can't do here. Uh-huh. And basically you're, you're naked for all your treatments. And they don't yeah. let you naked in America, but they treat your whole body as one whole thing. Mm-hmm. So not like you get, you get a lot of oil massages mm-hmm. and different treatments. Um, in Panchakarma and in the West, they have to cover your breasts or cover this and that yeah. and so on. Whereas in India, you just like let it it's all your hang body. Up, baby. Yeah. yeah, all the yeah. tissues are connected, the muscles, everything. You know, we got to treat the whole body. Can you yourself. describe how you felt at the end of that? Uh, um, at the end of your, is there a word oh, yeah, that you, comes to mind? Feel, yeah, you feel really, um, you feel clean, you feel transformed, um, you feel like you, you got a lot of, Gunk out. Mm-hmm. Um, in Ayurveda, a toxic residue is called AMA, A M A, and it's the translation is undigested food. And so all these treatments help you get all that undigested food, which is also thought in emotions, mm-hmm. helps you get all of that out of your body. Some of the treatments are um, uh, different kinds of enemas, which can act like a magnet in your colon to pull out toxins. And of course, all the oil treatments are herbal water or um, powder and pounding and sweat boxes are Mm -hmm. all designed to pull these toxins out of your body to sort of get you back to homeostasis where you're supposed to be right and no matter how clean our diet is we still have environmental toxins we have mold and mildew and um, oil and gas and all sorts of stuff all around us. electromagnetic stuff and Mm so why um, and all this stuff we listen to you know CNN, MSNBC, uh-huh. Fox TV, reading the New York Times. I could go on PR. and on and on. <laughs> right, right. So we need to take a break from that yeah. to detox. So it felt very mm-hmm. clean. And they say that the um, the, uh, cl- the cleansing modalities and so on that happen in the body, it lasts at least another three months. It just keeps mm. going. And we're taking all sorts of medicines and so on here, herbal medicines that we brought back from India to help keep the detox going. Great,
1: yeah, that's yeah. so cool. I've only had Abhyanga down at Shivananda Ashram down in in the Bahamas once, and so that's uh-huh. the, and that was amazing. I mean, just yeah. just getting the oils and the um, massage. Yeah. It was just it was really uh, a great experience. I recommend yeah. it for anybody, just as like a little. Teaser of what um, Ayurveda is all about. Well, Susan, right. thank you so much. I mean, this is just the tip of the iceberg, and uh, hopefully, people will go to your website and read your book, and um, maybe set up a time for a consultation or a sure. cooking class or whatever. And um, I, I think, I think you've given us just just like we've dipped our toe in in and given us a lot to think about um, for ways to move through the season with grace and ease and more health. So um, why don't you go ahead and give your information and then we'll share the video with everyone. Mm -hmm. So if you guys are listening to this and you want to go to YouTube and uh, watch the video, um, I'll put a link on our Facebook page and maybe Susan will share it too. So,
0: Great. Sure. Yeah. Excited to. Um, My next trip to India will be in October 2019. We're doing Northern India. It's Mm. a, a kind of a major yoga tour, going to mm-hmm. Rishikesh and, and wow. some awesome, I know, amazing I places at, at the end of October 2019. And you can find that on my website and all about my consultations that I do. It's at breatheayurveda.com. So that's B-like-boy, R-E-A-T-H-E-A-Y-U-R-V-E-D-A.com, breatheayurveda.com. My email is Susan at breatheayurveda.com. Uh, you can also just Google Ayurveda Baltimore, and I think I just come right up there, and meditation as well. And if you're in this area, I teach meditation every Tuesday night in the Hamden neighborhood of Baltimore at 6 o'clock. been doing that for nine years wow, now, so anyone is good. welcome to join us anytime. And the book is Ayurveda Beginner's Guide, and you can find that anywhere books are sold. There's in bookstores all over the country, as well as you can order directly from me or online anywhere you want to get that you can get it and if you order from me i'll sign it for you yeah <laughs> okay out, you i know. definitely want to do that
1: um yeah. in
0: india they don't say namaste right we say oh, they, they do they do so yes yeah, so here's what it is in north india they say namaste in south india they say namaskar namaskar or or namaskaram what is so, the distinction there so they it because there's something like three hundred different languages in India, each region speaks a completely different language. So Nam Namaste and Namaskar just have taken on regional uh, dialects. So, for instance, like Ganesh, the the elephant god Ganesh, mm-hmm. the remover of obstacles. In the north he's Ganesh, and in the south he's Ganesha. Oh, so, yeah. I think I had that right. Maybe in the north it's Ganesha. I have heard south, him I was wondering why he was called both. I've heard that. Yeah. But it's north yeah. and south. Okay. Yeah,
1: cool. Okay, well, I don't know whether to say namaste or namaskar, oh, namaste. either one. Namaste,
0: namaste is beautiful. <laughs> thank the you so in me much. Honors the divine in you, yes, definitely. All of you, and yes.
1: I'm excited to get cooking with you. So, thank you Yay. so much. All right, take all care. Right, you. Honey. Thank you. What would you do with an elephant in your room? Hey guys, it's Connie Bowman. I'm excited to share with you my favorite listeners that I have written a children's book called There's an Elephant in My Bathtub. It's a sweet book for children ages about two to seven, about a little boy who, after leaving his animals all around the house, comes home from school to find there's a safari a party happening in his room. What it really is, is a dad with a wild and fun imagination who creates a sweet story out of something every parent eventually encounters. Toys all over the house. There's an Elephant in My Bathtub will be a book to read over and over again with your child. It's now available for pre-order on Amazon and Barnes & Noble. For more information, visit the Connie Bowman Facebook page or click on the book page at ConnieBowman.com. Thanks, and happy healthy
0: holidays.